Oh, I'm on. One, two, three. No, no, wait, oh, can we do wait. The, can we do a counting together? Yeah. Because then I can line up. If we do a counting at the beginning and a counting at the end. Yeah. Okay, let's go. What do you want to do? So you're like, I'll just do like, on my fingers, three, two, one. And okay. then simultaneously we go three, two, one. All right. <clears throat> three, two, one. <laughs> three, two, one. one. Three, two, two one. one. Start. Sorry. Oh my God, you fucked it. That's oh, wait. <laughs> there you go. That's the actual lineup. Welcome back, everybody. This is what it's like to run a podcast from... What is it? An Essentially idea. a garage. <laughs> a garage with an windows. idea that you came up with because uh, you just... Ran out of things to do. <laughs> Career just... wasn't going anywhere anyway, so... Well, apparently all the great uh, software developers become content creators, so... I've heard that maybe every day <laughs> but, from you. But we are jumping a step. We're not great developers yet, yeah. so we're just jumping straight to the content Well, I'm assuming part. that you have to make the content to be a great developer. It, it's hand in hand. That's why I'm here. Yeah. You cannot, uh, you, you cannot like move on to that next level until you start creating the content. What's that quote by like Albert Franklin? It's like you can't lead unless you can teach. Okay, I haven't heard that. One. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I just came up with it actually. Yeah, can't it be makes, a lead developer until you can teach. No, it makes sense, but I know every time I try and teach someone something, I learn a little bit more. Yeah, and then you feel bad because <laughs> I didn't actually know what I was talking well, maybe about. Maybe you think. Uh, you realize you don't actually know as much. And then the other person doesn't like you as much either. That's always the best part. Yeah. But um, it's been an interesting journey trying to get this podcast up off the ground. Yeah. Wow. Audio. Difficult. Audio. That's been challenging. Coming up with things to talk about hasn't been too bad, but no. it's uh, trying to find our bearings on, you know, do we talk about multiple things? This do is we just pretty much how we talk topic? normally. <laughs> The only difference between this and our normal conversations is that there's less dead air and I'm not eating anything right now. So. <laughs> but um, we're on Spotify now. That's, that's right. One, that's one step in the right We've direction. We've been accepted. It's a very rigorous process. How'd you do that? I had to, You've done the whole thing. I didn't I did. do anything. I, I just... set up the whole, the whole podcast thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no one's going to know that because you're the one with the fancy microphone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was just... Uh, I looked at what uh, my favorite podcast used, Bike Shed, Bike Shed Podcast, oh, yeah. and then uh, they were on Fireside. I signed up with them and then just, you know, a couple of Yeah, so what's later. Fireside? You didn't explain. So yeah. that's good. You can explain it to me and everyone else can listen to. <laughs> yeah. what, what have you been doing for this the past is what couple we should of be days? Doing. <laughs> it only took about 20 minutes. So what's Fireside? It's both a host and it's also like a helper for getting a podcast off the ground. Yeah. Hopefully they sponsor us after this. Okay. I'm expecting a check in the mail. Yeah. But uh, probably the simplest way to get it off the ground. The other uh, services I was using, I can't remember the names, uh, they offered just the hosting and then you had to submit everything yourself. Fireside, in order to get set up on Apple and Spotify and everything, I clicked one button. I. Oh, so they it. set everything up. So you, you create an account on Fireside. Yeah. You upload the podcast. Yeah. Uh, Directly to them. They, they yeah. manage the hosting. So uh, then you can go, people can go onto Fireside and listen to our podcast. Well, they go onto our website. So podcast.unrulysoftware.com. I don't know if you've oh, heard. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. There's some SSL issues. Yeah. It's definitely a safe website, I promise. Don't, yeah. Just don't put your banking details on <laughs> Yeah, that's the only, the only issue we've had with them thus far has been... Uh, I'm not sure their service understands SSL for other domains. Huh. Yeah. So we've got our own page there. People can navigate to our page. Yeah. 
and you listen can get to the, the podcast. episodes there or uh, there's a link back to Spotify on that. And then there'll also be a link back to Apple once we're finally approved. I think Apple is a uh, wow, little Slack message there for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so the, it automatically uploads it. They handle all the Spotify stuff because I'm guessing to get an I don't account know directly with Spotify would be yeah. hard work probably. I, don't know. I, probably I have no just... idea what the process is. Yeah. I really didn't want to find out though. No. Of, of the things I've done in my life where I want to know, like audio is probably the least I'm interested in. I think there's I just probably a lot, the of people in, a lot of people are in that kind of position, I feel, where they just want to get the podcast done. It's not only podcasting, it's like anything. You just want the tools to be able to help you achieve the end result. Yeah. And then as you kind of go along the way, if the tools aren't working for you, you tweak them and improve. Use but a different tool. Yeah. Use a different tool. But yeah. to get us going, it's been pretty easy. Just what, one click upload. Yeah. Yeah. Just costs small money. It wasn't even that much. I think it's like $12 a month or something. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's good. You've handled the actual distribution. Yeah. What I was looking at for the past few days was how do we increase our... Um, Audio quality. No. No. Oh. Our uh, listeners. Oh, the reach. <laughs> so, the reach. So how, how can we get more people to <laughs> listen to the segue. podcast? <laughs> yeah. But um, when I started Googling... Uh, I came across, I came across both um, legitimate ways to increase your listener base and maybe some questionable ways to questionable. to increase your um, illegitimate your your <laughs> your streams. But I, I came across um, Spotify listening farms. It's like streaming a farms. CLI tool that like spins up a a server. So apparently, what people have been doing, they get multiple devices and they'll just connect these devices to Spotify, like set up an app on each one of these individual devices. They might have 10 or 20 or um, maybe even more. And they will just start streaming their own content 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just to get it boosted. Just to get it boosted. It's like the old days of YouTube back before they fixed all their algorithms. Yeah, I was, I was surprised that people are still doing this now and Spotify yeah. hasn't cracked down on it. Because Spotify obviously pays for the streams. You wouldn't think that they'd... Yeah, audio seems like something you wouldn't care about your subscriber count. I don't think you can see our subscriber count. We actually have somewhere what, in the range of like 10,000 subscribers. Right? We, Is that right? Are we, are we ramping I don't up think that that <laughs> That's far one podcast. Well, actually, it might have been one. I might have seen the comments. It was one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think pretty sure my mother listens yeah, to this, actually. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. But that's about it. Yeah, well, I'll send it to my mum. That'll be two. <laughs> two <laughs> listeners. We both listen to it. That's four. <laughs> oh, God. You can see it. That's, that's exponential, exponential growth. growth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're going in the right direction. <laughs> Gary Vaynerchuk would be so proud of us. Yeah, you just got to keep it going. Mm. But um, so I, my first thought was, oh, well, if you can do it on a device, maybe you could... Uh, set up some EC2 instances and just go the whole hog. Yeah, just run just, some Docker containers. And just, you know, stream, get a, get a thousand EC2 instances streaming your... Get us right to the top of technology. Get us right to the top. But then, <laughs> I feel like you've ruined the strategy now because now it's public. <laughs> Everyone knows that I've I'm, already I'm set this sure up. I'm pretty sure other people are doing it. Well, yeah. the other thing you can do, apparently there's um, forums on Reddit and other other places on the internet, the dark web. You can just <laughs> on the dark web. On the dark web, you can just you can post your podcast and people find <laughs> it on can, the dark web. You can pay people to bump your streams. Oh right. So you just pay. I don't know how much it is, but yeah. apparently you can just put it there's on people Fiverr. out there and they'll go out and I'm 
sure they would. They probably pull your numbers for use you. the same uh, server farm. Probably. More than likely. Yeah. yeah. So then I thought, why, why outsource it? Like we're developers, let's just build it ourselves. Puppeteer. Exactly. <laughs> um, but then my next thought was, okay, we're probably breaking the law. So that's not ideal. <laughs> I think it's breaking the law. I, I think, think it'd be against illegal. Spotify's terms of service. Well, yeah. So not the law, but the, I think they could definitely terminate your account for that. Yeah. yeah. So my next thought was, well, if, you, if you're breaking the terms of service with Spotify, if there's some agreement with AWS or, or another cloud provider, it'd be interesting to see, like if, if AWS finds out that you've been doing something like malicious on their malicious platform, on their platform yeah. and they ban you from AWS. You as Frank, yeah. yeah. Not just the account. Not just the account, like somehow they've got my, well, they've got my credit card details. Yeah, they take you off Amazon as well. You can no longer get toilet paper shipped to your house. Imagine that. So like, yeah. what's the what's the repercussion? So um, obviously we don't want to go down this path of of streaming out. No, that's what it ends with, really. Content, but... Because AWS will ban us because we're using EC2 to yeah, break that's Spotify's right. TOS and then Spotify will ban us for breaking their TOS. But um, we'll be destitute. Yeah. That'll so... be the end of my career. <laughs> Yeah, so what's the repercussions? If if you get banned from AWS yeah. and you're a software developer, what happens to your life? Like Well can you even I'm sure there's other people that can host your that, that can host your uh, e, not EC two. What do they call them in uh, GCP? Computer GCP. instances. Yeah, computer yeah. instances, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um what if what if they all got together and just be like, No, these guys are bad actors, we're not gonna let any of them get on any By of our name. platforms. Yeah. yeah, and then every time you go in for an interview, they, they, they pull up a list and well, it's got your name you go, at the top. Imagine if you go for a job and then you you know, you know do all the interview process, you get through all, all the, jump through all the hoops that you need to to get this job. And then when you're about to start, they go, okay, so we just need you to complete an AWS certification. We're gonna pay for it. We're gonna pay for your time. All you need to do is just sit down and do the certification. But then you go onto AWS and they won't certify you because of your name. Of your name. You'd have to change your name. You'd have to give a legal <laughs> name change. Yeah. There's no other way around it. But I mean, yeah, there's there's plenty of cloud providers. I can't I don't think they ban people by name. I can't imagine they would want to do that. Yeah. They'd probably like uh, IP ban like an yeah. area, yeah. I'm sure, easily. Yeah. But uh, I think they'd ban your account. Yeah, more, more than anything. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if they ban your account, do you still have to pay your final bill? <laughs> can I, can, I, <laughs> yeah, can right. I ramp up my EC2, run my uh, I need to Bitcoin mine all my miner. Bitcoins, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so mine all these cryptos and then, and then before I leave. Before the last day of the month, start breaking Spotify's terms of service. Yeah, maybe you just go out with That's a bang. That's essentially free money. Especially if they don't like uh, block you by your... Surely name. there's a limit, but if you uh, haven't had an AWS account for a long time, you can't just spin up... 30 grand's worth of servers and how do they get know? Them running. I don't know how they know. All they can have is your IP and your, uh, I suppose you put in a credit card. But just like um, when you were setting up the email, SAS, isn't it? For yeah. the email? Yes. The had, simplest of email services. Yeah. yeah. So you, you had to go through a few um, checks. Yeah. Yeah. To, to get to the, like to three get, tickets. To get the get email working. working. Yeah. yeah. Like, so they don't just let anyone start sending emails from Amazon. You yeah. have to, but the, 
They say they were checking you, but the checks weren't really that far, were they? No, did you read the emails in the support ticket? It was quite it was quite bland. Yeah. I just said like, yes, the application handles that. <laughs> I promise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then that was that was the end of it essentially. Yeah. I got I think I got knocked back the first time because I said something like, Oh, we don't yet do something and I think they, they said like, Oh, you have to do this. So I just changed it to the application is designed to. Ah, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, there you go. As long as you don't lead on that, you know, your uh, complaints aren't quite handled yet. Then. So I wonder if they do the same thing with EC2, for example. Like if you just start spinning, there are limits, up, yeah. spinning up heap of servers, do they, do they stop it and then send you a message and go, look, they do we have need fraud to... detection for sure. Yeah. What happened to, uh, there was someone we were, we went to Coder Academy with that had their account because oh, that's right. They pushed their uh, access token and yeah. secret key yeah. on GitHub. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was an expensive S three bucket to manage. <laughs> and I think uh, within like an hour, some some bad actor had picked up his uh, his or hers uh, uh, access token and yeah. had started spinning up EC two instances. Yeah, that's and right. Actually mining Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. It was funny because um, the teacher Michael was like, "Okay, we're about to put our credit card details." into AWS. So please be you, careful. You guys are all about to put your credit card details in, so be aware and make sure you don't push these keys yeah. up to GitHub. These are literally your credit card numbers. Yeah. yeah. And two hours later. <laughs> two hours later, someone had lost all of their money. They forgave him all of it though, didn't they? Yeah. 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 That's that's a good racket for whoever is doing the uh, the spin up. Because AWS, no one actually ends up paying for it except for AWS. Mm. It just comes out of their shrinkage. Yeah. Mm. Well, we pay for it as... As customers. Customers. Oh, disgusting. <laughs> we'll be picking up the slack. No. But is AWS even profitable? Do they make money? Oh, I would think so. They charge so much for such little things. I suppose. They, they make money at scale. Yeah. Like, they, they charge um, relatively but low some prices. services, they wouldn't make money, would they? No, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I, the IAM service, you don't pay anything for. So, yeah. obviously, they'd be losing money on that. Yeah. But that's the gate. Like, once you're in cloud provider you're sort of locked in what are you going to like most people build their applications with a system that can't be like reversed into another cloud provider mm. you start using sqs in a specific way and then the migration off of that might be impossible really. yeah. yeah start your you know your uh what do, what do you call it the data warehouse in mm. the wrong cloud yeah you're screwed from then on yeah yeah that's why i stay with excel yeah, Excel spreadsheet on the laptop. Exactly. We keep all our users in that. <laughs> As well, it should be. Well, that like you know that anyone who needs to come to the team is going to be able to get access to whatever they That's need true. to. That's true. It's very well controlled as well. There's a password <laughs> on my computer. <laughs> Do you know what I read uh, just this morning? The uh, screensaver for Xorg, which is like uh, my laptop, uh, like desktop, server yep. all of the screensavers have a vulnerability oh. where like the lock screen where you have to type your password yep. where if you type fast enough it breaks the screensaver and yep. lets you get straight into the computer okay <laughs> and this was discovered by a group of kids oh really a, a guy had let his kids play with his laptop and they just slapped the keys so fast that it broke it and they hacked into the server so we better um put a password on the actual excel sheet itself yeah <laughs> so that's we need uh, server-side encryption on our laptops as well <laughs> Yeah. But um, what do you do if you parlor, for example? <laughs> a little bit more slack. Yeah. Parlor. Oh, man. Well, we talked about that in episode 101, I remember. It was, uh, that, was a, that was a while ago, though. Yeah. The, um, 
But it was funny because when Parler got um, taken off AWS, I think you jokingly said to me, oh, we should like start running all our services on a Raspberry Pi just to be safe. <laughs> I think I've been saying that to you before. You, you were. Most of the, As a joke. And then... In Australia, like a lot of Australian companies, they have this like idea of we need to be able to scale to, yeah. you know, to be able to manage connections from literally everyone in the country. Yeah. We need this incredibly scalable service. In reality, I feel like most applications could probably be hosted on like one or two EC2 instances, mm. and then it wouldn't be much of a concern. But uh, it's, a, it's a tough thing to do. And yeah. no one wants to work for you if you do that. No. Who wants to work somewhere that actually has physical servers? It's very boring. Yeah, well, Parler? Yeah. <laughs> now they do. Are they banned off all cloud providers? Why couldn't they just move to another cloud provider? I don't know. You think GCP? GCP would definitely ban them. I feel like they're already banned. Well, well, Google took them off the Android store. Did they? Hmm. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. But you'd, you would imagine there's some, there's plenty of other hosts, though. There's like Rackspace and everything. There's all sorts of like little tiny cloud providers that aren't, you know, massive Digital, corporate. DigitalOcean? Is that what it's called? DigitalOcean, yeah. yeah. What do they use? Alibaba? They use drops. Yeah, Alibaba. I doubt Alibaba would deplatform de them. Yeah. They should have gone with Alibaba in the first place. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that's hosted uh, overseas, and I'm not sure the main user base of Parler would be happy with that. But um, you've got to be careful, even if you're Alibaba, because hasn't the, the CEO of Alibaba gone missing? Has he gone missing? Yeah. What, what do you mean he's gone missing? So apparently a few months ago, he said something which someone in China didn't like, and he's been missing for two months. Oh, wow. Yeah. What's, the, what's his name? Do you know what his name is? I don't know. He's a billionaire. Is he the guy who was in that interview with Elon Musk? And not sure. like they were talking about uh, Tesla and the future of technology. Okay, no, I haven't no. seen it. Oh, right. I'm not sure. Am he I, was doing, might be one, the guy. Yeah, I think. Uh, what was the video? Some gatekeeping stuff. Oh, was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, 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 I think the, uh, the the billionaire was talking about like uh, only people who you know uh, have university degrees are going to be able to shape the future of the world. Oh, really? I don't remember. Yeah, something like that. Gatekeeping in technology? I've never heard so of such strange. a thing. So strange. Gatekeeping. <laughs> Is that a segue? It's the most awkward segue I've ever heard, actually. <laughs> how, how hard can I wedge that topic change in? Why? What have you experienced? What happened? Gatekeeping? Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I've... Uh... <clears throat> Gatekeeping's implicit in technology. There's a lot of, well, we're better than them mentality. Ah, okay. Probably because a lot of us are youngish males, right? Hmm. So we all have our egos to carry with every bit of work that we do. Yep. And whatever the first thing that we pick up is you know, what we're, we're fans of. I, I experienced uh, my first job. I, I remember I had a conversation with someone who was telling me that um, he thought that every engineer should be, every software engineer or developer, whichever term you like, mm. uh, needed to go through a rigorous standards procedure. They needed to, to pass like government issued tests in order to be able to build software oh, really all this stuff yeah he's a big fan of functional programming that yep. sort of thing yeah but uh yeah we didn't uh, i think he, he wasn't really a fan of um boot camps either he was like a very he, he didn't think you should be able to to ship software if you're not um if, if you don't have a, a degree essentially which yeah. i think he was telling he was saying this to me not knowing that 
I personally (laughs) didn't even graduate high school. So (laughs) of all the people who shouldn't be shipping software, it's definitely me. But um, just because you haven't got a degree doesn't mean you don't have other life experiences that aren't going to help you being a good, successful software developer. Yeah. It seems more like it's about passion than anything. If it's really what you want to do. Yeah. That's the only gatekeeping I would do is if you if you don't have any passion for it, it's going to be hard to get started probably. Fun, like fund, learning fundamentals is always great, but I don't think it should stop you building something in the meantime while you're learning your fundamentals. Like if you can learn the, the skills like at quick. University or... Well, like if you can go to a boot camp and learn the, the skills quick and you can start building websites in whatever shape or form that might take, maybe they're not the best, but maybe they are you just great. Have to get started. But I think the action of doing uh, is definitely beneficial. Why should you? Why should you not code because you're learning you fundamentals? Have a or yeah. Something. yeah. I don't know. I think his uh, the the people I know other people who are like this as well, and uh, I think their philosophy is like, well, imagine if that person was working on uh, the guidance system in a self-driving car or something. Like, yeah. But. Uh, Think that forgets the fact that most of what we do is like move the button slightly to the left <laughs> and change the color. Change the color. Yeah. That's what most uh, software people that I know do. Yeah. That or take something in JSON and then put it into a database somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And then render it back into GraphQL. That's, Especially that's in all. web development. Yeah. That's all it is mainly. Yeah. User, it's we're we're just one big form. We're a factory for forms. <laughs> we're a data collection machine. Yeah, that's a good way we of thinking We build data it. collection machines. We're just yeah. like taking data from one spot and then putting it in another spot. And maybe like putting it with some extra data, if yeah. you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Someone else's data. <laughs> maybe an integration, that's all you get. I've, I've actually thought to myself, I wonder what um, being a software developer would look like outside of web development. Because I haven't really experienced anything outside web development interesting to see like, like building games or like games or um, embedded systems yeah, that sort of thing yeah yeah. yeah yeah i'm sure it'd be a lot more rigorous more than anything mm. the uh the general vibe in web development is just do something as fast as possible yes regardless of the consequences break later. fast and fix it fast yeah yeah that's the the javascript ecosystem yes. the ruby ecosystem as well yeah yeah but if you're flying to the moon maybe you don't have those luxuries that's or do true. well they still uh the uh, i remember the the dragon shuttle they were saying uh one of spacex's capsules that yeah. they did the the launch for yeah. the difference between the nasa engineers and the spacex engineers and what gave spacex an edge uh was that the nasa engineers typically end up having like they get requirements very early on mm. and they have the full specifications of the system they know exactly what every piece and part of the software needs to do. They build it and they ship it. It goes through tests, it gets certified, and then it's on the machine and it never changes. Mm. Uh, You don't really update anything. There's no iteration after the fact because you've already built the the specified software. It's like electrical engineering sort of where you just like build a chip and then that's the chip that we sell. Sure. But uh, with the SpaceX engineers, it's interesting. They're actually using like Node.js and everything on the front end. So apparently they were deploying code to the uh, capsule like live, like the day before, they were still updating software. Really? On, yeah, on these capsules. I think that's risky, but 
I don't know. Well, maybe it was just like I said. If it, if the if the moving the button would be okay. They probably use React. I don't know if you've seen the uh, the Dragon capsule, but they have like this big pane, and it's like a touch screen. Probably looks like a Tesla. Yeah, it does. It does look like a bit like a Tesla. Have you not seen a photo of it? No. Oh, we'll bring we'll bring one up later. <laughs> <laughs> if only we had Jamie here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, but it, it, I, I'd imagine they, they could actually be using React for this system. Nah, you think they would? No. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? I don't know. Seems like, I don't know, React is great, but is it is it reliable enough to get you to the moon and back? I don't know. Probably well, it's reliable. Probably yeah. is. Well, like, well, what do you, well, like the, the things that are reliability issues are more like, I guess, like code quality or something. If you give React the right set of inputs, it's going to you know, spit them out. Well, the thing about React as well is there's so many people using it around the web, like around the world right now. If anything goes wrong, it's going to get fixed everyone's pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, it's the, and everyone's going to know. It's exactly. being tested by most humans on the planet at some point. It's actually the, probably the most thorough kind of testing, It's probably testing, the safest, yeah. 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 That or PHP, I'm sure. But when you think about, like, we say that's like a more rigorous... Maybe like, oh, it's not, I suppose, enterprise or like hard enough, maybe. I, I don't know yeah. what the exact descriptor you'd use for that software. Yeah. But uh, think about the amount of Java applications, like with Java front-ends for applications that you know that are broken, like horribly broken versus the amount of like, I, I can't think of very many like React JavaScript like single page applications that I go on to and are like genuinely broken because normally oh, yeah. like you just click around a few times and then it starts working. Yeah. When you load one of those like larger scale enterprise like front ends for something, I feel like those are the ones that are broken. And also yeah. the inputs for the device are typically like there's two buttons because in order to put those two buttons there, they had to manually edit an XML file. Yeah. So yeah. they just they just keep don't care. Yeah. Apparently his his whole thing is iteration. Elon. Iteration, yeah, iteration and having ownership of the entire project. Yeah, that's. Uh... Well, we've been discussing this with our product lately because it's hard to build something right the first time. No, you can't. I don't yeah. think you can. Anytime you build something, you learn so much about how it should be built. Both in terms of, I think it's at like every scale. Yeah. When the first time, like you'll write a test case and you'll realize this doesn't feel right. I'll move some stuff up and then that's that's your iteration there. You'll write a feature and you'll realize that the feature doesn't quite achieve. Yeah. So you have to, you know, slightly change it or shift it. Yeah, yeah. So you just have to iterate. Yeah, I, I like that approach because you, you relieve yourself of the pressure to do something amazing straight out of the gate. Yeah, that's, a, that's an issue that a lot of uh, junior developers that I know have had yeah. is they <clears throat> procrastinate. Oh, there's a there's a throat clear. I'm gonna get fined for that. <laughs> Is that they procrastinate uh, before they take on something that they would that they've never done, yeah. even though it might be something where they just have to read one page of documentation and yeah. then just try it. Yeah. Just take the smallest, absolute. Sm it's the same as anything in life, right? Yeah. If you want to start a podcast, you just have to record the first episode. Everything after that is. Yeah, so hopefully much. our podcasts. Hopefully our podcasts will get better as we go. Oh, for sure. We're definitely. I mean, they're pretty good now. Let's yeah. be honest, but <laughs> it can only get better. We, you'd hope so. Yeah. Yeah. But um, what's that book? Uh, Atomic Habits. Yeah. Yeah. That's that the 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 whole premise of how you improve yourself, even yeah. like if you have a problem, 
getting out of bed in the morning and going to work, don't don't focus on like that action. Just get one thing that you can do. Like just brush your teeth. Just say, I'm going to get up and I'm going to brush my teeth. Yeah. If I still want to go to bed, I'll go to bed. Yeah. Right? If you're saying I want to eat healthier, you eat one piece of broccoli and then from then on it's easier. Because yeah. you've already started down you, you've removed that barrier before you take that action. The rest of the actions are much easier. Yeah. So what do we do? We just put one div. One div. If we can only, if that's all we can like muster the <laughs> yeah. strength to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You put one div up, yeah. you connect to the server, you download a package or something, yeah. and you just start as small as possible. Yeah. And eventually the ball will start rolling. When I started at my first job, there were several tasks. Actually, there have been several tasks, and I think that's what's helped me grow more than anything. There were many tasks where I had no idea, and I was like, shaking and panicking and I had no idea what I didn't really understand what docker was when I started I didn't understand uh, what uh, you know data streaming was all this stuff data analysis and then you know you just start you just start as small as possible as you can you're not going to get it perfect the first time and just yeah this was at the startup yeah that was at the startup challenger as well didn't know anything about docker I just had to I had no idea what a container was. I didn't know what the difference between an image and a container was. So I was very confused as to why I couldn't just run this code somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a confusing time. But if you just start small, you're, go- you're going to solve it. You have all of the capability inside yeah. of you. I'm guilty of that too because sometimes, sometimes I will like re- over-research things trying to find the answer before I start. Yeah. I like look for an article on the internet and look for another one and oh maybe there's a better way to do it and then in the end I, I think the, the thing I've found the best is to start and then see if it works and if it doesn't work you know that, that doesn't work and then maybe do a little bit of research or just cut back on that that uh, that feeling of you have to understand it having, yeah having yeah. to understand it just being like paralyzed by by trying to research too much research paralysis yeah that's what people i feel like i did that when i before like before i got my before i started uh at coder academy i was just research paralysis i wanted to learn every piece of every language before i did an interview yeah and uh coder academy was the like the six month lead up where i could just do little incremental steps of getting myself used to talking about technology maybe well it's like the podcast you just we've just started doing it and yeah, and I haven't researched. I've intentionally not researched how to start a podcast because I bet there, like, imagine how many videos and I know articles I'm, I'm are on the, inter- one, but are I, on the I internet. Can't. Like, this is how you do it. This is like you need to do this, and um, you know, ways to structure your your uh, podcasts and yeah, intro music. Intro. There's music. no intro music today, is there? No, it's on the way. No. It's in the it's in the backlog. <laughs> we'll sing some eventually. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like sometimes if you like you know even though we haven't done any research, I feel like the act of doing it gets us at least halfway there. Yeah. And then it's just adding more polish as we go. And this podcast might not be the final iteration of what, you know, our podcast ends up being. It could be a totally different name or something. Maybe we Definitely. get banned from Spotify because Frank actually started that fucking <laughs> CLI tool. If we go up to 20,000 <laughs> listens tomorrow, you yeah. know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe it'll take off. We'll post it on Hacker News. Post it on Hacker News. Yeah, yeah. 
What 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 was the we get um, torn apart? What was the quote you put on our uh, hosting site on uh, Fireside? Several uneducated fools talking about subjects they don't understand. That's it. That's us perfectly. That's down to a T. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're we're students. We're always learning. Always learning. That's software. Yeah. Can't be anywhere else. No, definitely not. But um, there's probably ways we can boost our listeners for Spotify normally as well. Like Maybe just like ask people. Or, organically. I'm considering just like taking it out and like handing out cards maybe, print out some cards. Business cards, yeah, yeah that yeah. would work. Or like I was thinking um, maybe in the lift when you come across someone in the lift, you like ask them if they want to listen to the they're, podcast. They're, they work in accounting. <laughs> hey, are you interested in a software you podcast? Just like, pass it, like you pull your phone out and pass them a no, we need to earphone get... and just let them listen for few minutes or... we'll do a sponsorship we'll get uh joe rogan to <laughs> to play our podcast yeah send him a message see yeah. if he replies hey can you play our podcast <laughs> i have a budget of maybe like 15 dollars. actually you should um you should at your bike shed friends oh are they my friends i would love well, for them to be my friends you've given them a, a uh, too many plugs a few plugs yeah. yeah yeah i wonder if they'll pay me money now that'd be great actually that's another way we've we got to get sponsors yeah, well, you have to have people. No, we do have people listening, of course. <laughs> we have exponential growth. Well, maybe if um, maybe if we get the sponsors, people will listen because we'll look more more professional. Legitimate. We are legitimate. This is the most. Le- <laughs> you know, we've done over a hundred and one episodes. <laughs> it's a very well-established community podcast. <laughs> um, but there's more in the pipeline coming from us. Yeah, at least a hundred and one more. Yeah, this is just the beginning. We got to, We need to know if we need to go more technical or we yeah. need to know what the listeners want to hear. Do they want to hear more? What, what does my mother want to hear yeah, in this want, podcast? Do they want to hear more of the of the what it's like working in tech. Do they want to hear the technical chat? Yeah, I like the technical stuff. I think we could talk for an hour on TypeScript. We'll do a, a full episode on TypeScript. I'm sure. I think there's one in the pipeline. There's, it's in a pipeline. It's in a data pipeline somewhere, yeah. streaming across the lambdas. Yeah, yeah. No ETL jobs for us. <laughs> it's a software joke. <laughs> there's plenty of software jokes lots, coming too. Lots of software jokes to come. Um, what else we got to talk about? <laughs> is that it? Is that, is that, the, is that the end? How, how long have we got? 35 minutes. I think that's an episode. What else is there? Just, you could ask me about my favorite book. That's what we said we'd do. But <laughs> We've so got this other we, line. Before we started, we, uh, we wrote down all the uh, things we had to talk about. And it's on a list on a whiteboard uh, behind James. And I'm looking straight at it. And the last thing, we've covered everything except the favorite book. Which we're not going to cover today because <laughs> it's too awkward now. I can't handle it. <laughs> That's just the kind of podcast we are. Are we leaving the dead air in as well? What do you think? Do we edit it out? Oh, we can do a bit of post-production. We don't. We definitely leave the the dead air. I think. This is a no-effort podcast. I think, uh, well, there wasn't really much dead air, and and it's more genuine this way. Yeah. This is just raw. Really us. This is what you get. But we can't just, we can't do five minutes on a favorite book because you've got so many. I have heaps. Pragmatic programmer. Actually... I've just started the topic. <laughs> um, 
Well, you you put me on to the Phoenix Project. That was one of my favorite books. Oh, right. Yeah, that is actually probably one of, on the top of mine. It's not. It, it's a. It's a story. It's not. That's why I liked it so yeah, much. Yeah, it's a technical book, but more like a novel. Because, um, like we we read all the time, and special documentation is super dry. Like there's no. Yeah. There's no not much. Well, sometimes there's a bit of life in it, but typically it's very like. Maybe a sandbox, a code sandbox. Yeah. I don't know. That's that's the most life you get. There's not much story. There's not <laughs> much story. And then if you look at all the other kind of coding and programming books, uh, they they like they have a bit of. They're still technical, like they're still focusing on teaching you mm. about a language or a theory or whatever it There's might be. There's not many that are like a story, like what myth, mythical man month, those sort of books. The like more is that a story as well? Philosophy. Yeah, you've told it, me about it's that. It's a one. group of like uh, essays. It's a it's like a book of short essays. Yeah. Okay. So they're like little stories and yep. life experiences and everything. Yep. Those are those are probably the most useful books I think because the technical stuff changes. Yeah. Sort of o- over time. Like the obviously the <coughs> large scale philosophies don't change, but the uh, the way that we interact with each other seems to be the biggest issue. It's all about communication software. We're not writing code for the computers. We're writing it for other people. So the Phoenix Project is pretty much all about that. It's about having a massive organization and how this person is put in charge of turning it around. Yeah. They've got uh, how many? They've got like four times more developers uh, than all of their competitors, but everyone is out competing them. Yeah. And uh, I, have to, I have to deliver a product by a certain time yeah otherwise the company's gonna the phoenix project i believe yeah is that the product yeah yeah otherwise the company's gonna go bust but i I loved it because like you said it's the story but from the story you learn all these like they they give you the story in a way where it makes you think about what's happening there and why there's a problem but then they talk about how they solve the problem so it's kind of like it's giving you view from both sides like if you see if you come across these things in your time and you see these things maybe this is happening and then maybe some options on how to try and yeah, solve these very problems relatable. yeah yeah you can always i i remember even in the first two chapters i you could look at it and you could just say oh i know exactly who this person is <laughs> that i'm a judgy person but uh you know, you can you can fit people into those molds. Pam, you know, everyone knows. Is it Pam, right? The the product manager. Oh, uh, yeah. you've got a better memory than me. I read it a while ago. All I remember is I really liked it, and um, the other thing I remember is work in progress. Keep that low. Yeah, the lowest <laughs> possible amount. Yeah. Yeah, and the uh, the other takeaway was uh, you're only as fast as your slowest part of your factory line. That's right. right. Yeah. So you always have to. If you're improving anywhere that isn't the slowest portion, then you're not improving at all. Well, they had one developer who was amazing, yeah. like the best, the best, the best of the best, and he was on everything. He was doing everything, he was fixing everything. Yeah. He yeah. was in every incident, and he was capable of doing everything. He could, but the then the team around him was not motivated. Yeah, didn't have the skills. They had the they had the ability, but they didn't know how to fix these company-specific issues. Yeah. Because, you know, certain systems, he only, he knew, all that yeah, only yeah. he knew how to interact yeah. with certain things and what had to be done at certain times. And then 
Um, you know, when when things went wrong, he was always the one who fixed it. So, so he, no one got the opportunity to learn how to fix it. Yeah. And there was no standard processes set up for how to even fix these issues. I think that was another step they took, was every time there was an incident, you have to document what happens after the incident and how you resolved it. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. He ended up getting tr in trouble because he had his fingers in so many pies. Yep. He uh, ended up causing some of the in incidents. Yep. But then he'd fix them yeah. and not tell anyone that he was the one who broke everything. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons also why uh, he was fixing everything. But the other thing was um, certain people in the organization would go directly to him rather than through the right channels. Yeah. So they had to like guard him. I had to guard yeah, him, yeah. put a whole shield around him. He was only allowed to work on the Phoenix project for yeah. such a, a long time. Yeah. Um, that was an interesting perspective too. Like, if you've got a lot of people in the organization, everyone obviously has their own motivations and wants to get their own work done. And everyone probably has a bit of a bias in what should get prioritized. And what matters the most. And what matters yeah. the most. Um, so there was a couple of projects that this company was working on and um, the loudest people were getting their work done first. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Like you, the most brazen. Yeah. The meanest people got the, the best outcome. The squeakiest wheels. Yeah. Yeah. But you want to punish the squeaky wheels, really. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my kind of organization. <laughs> but you definitely need... Um, the, the tech organite like the the tech um, team needs a way to prioritize work for the whole company yeah and not just the people who want their own things done yeah well it's more in larger companies I'm sure yeah at a startup it's probably not as you know as much of an issue you know it's yeah well, there's not there's not normally a huge amount of Actually, that's not true, actually, because I can, I'm just like thinking back <laughs> the amount of times someone will literally come. I, I've had a few experiences where a product manager will come and sit next to me yeah. and be like quietly. <laughs> so, you know, this isn't in the sprint, but uh, could you just like maybe yeah. fix this now? Yeah. Because yeah. It, it, some of the things that they wanted maybe didn't, weren't approved to go through the right channels. And so, yeah, yeah they just came directly to me. Yeah. So. But you've got to have... Uh, open communication with the person who's leading the team because the product manager might not have been able to approach that person if they knew they were going to get shut down straight away. Yeah. So you've got to have open communication with everyone, I think, I think don't you? Like, don't just shoot ideas Do you think it's, down. Uh, are these uh, counter ideas? Because we're saying that uh, we need to close down this person's communication to the outside world. The, the, I'm the saying, like, I'm saying whoever is. Whoever's that person who has been given the role that they're communicating on behalf of the team. Maybe maybe the team doesn't interact with everyone all the time, yeah. but the team has that point of contact where when things need to be solved or um, someone needs an issue resolved, yeah. someone can go to that person and say, look, I need this. I know it's not in the sprint, but I need it done. Yeah, that person has to be good though. Yeah. So I've had people who are fantastic in that scenario and yeah. I've also had people who... Uh, yeah, you'd sort of want to be in the room with them <laughs> at all times if they were yeah. taking something that you said. Yeah. Because you never, yeah, it depends on the organization. You know, there's, there's always bad, bad organizations. 
at some level, I, who knows where these uh, organizations go wrong, but uh, things get siloed, people start owning their little slices, and then people get territorial. And the important thing isn't so much, uh, are we succeeding as a group? It's more like, is my team succeeding? Yeah. Like, uh, it might not matter to a team if they, you know, they might build an API that breaks another person's, but that's their responsibility. Mm. I've seen that as well. So, yeah. It's yeah. all about communication, right? That's in Phoenix that's what, Project too. I think that's the, the only things that, if you had to come up with two points, it'd be treat your work like a factory line, which isn't as depressing as it sounds. It's actually beneficial. What do you mean It doesn't by make that? you a... Well, uh, the, uh, I think the idea was that software is no different from a factory. You have production lines, there's specialized processes that everything goes through. Maybe not here, maybe not with you know, the three of us building software. There's not so much of a production line. Mm. But in any larger organization, which is what Phoenix Project is about, you have an idea that happens, there's testing, there's this entire process, and you have to treat that like it is actually a factory. Mm. And you have to have visibility of where... Uh, work is in each of these stages and what actually needs to be prioritized and what's actually important. Yeah. So there's treat your work like, like you're in a factory yeah. as much as possible. I think it also means that as much as possible you should standardize the work that you, should, that you do. Mm. If you're doing something and there's no documentation for what you're doing uh, and there's, there's, or if there's a way to automate it, then you should either automate it or you should document it so that the next person who comes along can fix it. Yeah. Don't just solve an issue. So don't have an incident and then be like, oh, well, I fixed it, won't put it in again. Slack, won't yeah. happen again, and then the next person a year later has the same issue and has no idea how you fixed it. Yeah. Maybe a pull request if they're lucky. I can't, uh, I've been through so many pull requests, like I've dug through some uh, Git history to uh, find what solved the, the bug the last time before. Uh, yeah. It's a bit of a pain. And the other thing would be communication. Don't let people feel you know, you, you do have to limit communication to some people, and then, but don't let people feel uh, like they're in a war inside of the company. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. It's interesting. That book was actually, my dad told me to read that. Oh, did he? He's not a software person necessarily. Yeah. More in management. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I love that book. It's great. They've got a couple more from the same author, don't they? Uh, yeah. The U. What was it, Phoenix Project? Yeah, Unicorn Project I got, or Unicorn something. What's that one about? It's about data science, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I haven't read it. Similar. I bought it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just sitting is on a shelf. Is it the same kind of uh, structure, like a story rather than a... I believe so. Yeah. Okay. We have the, hand, the DevOps handbook behind DevOps you, handbook, which yeah. is not, not a story. Yeah. That's more, it's more this of is guidelines. how DevOps works, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I think this, this uh, the Phoenix Project is sort of like the story of how... It alludes to what, yeah. Yeah, it alludes to the, the principles that are inside of the yes. DevOps handbook yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. DevOps is also a lot about communication mm. more than anything, getting teams to work together better. Yeah. It's not so much to, about the technology. Most people I talk to when, when they talk about DevOps, they're immediately thinking uh, Jenkins or yeah. automation. Yeah. But in reality, I think it's more about the organization and the processes and the people. Yeah, someone told me once it's like um, trying to avoid that whole throw throw it over the fence mentality where like, oh, I've done my job and just throw it over the fence to the yeah. next person. And then this person can manage it. Yeah. And then, then I'm not responsible. I'll live, live my life afterwards. Yeah. yeah. So it's like empowering everyone to, to 
be able to, to be involved in get involved. each part of the process, That's right. particularly in software development yep. de uh, delivery. Yep. Yeah. You build it, you own it, you run it. That's yep. the thing, isn't it? You get it on as fast as possible. You find the bugs as fast as possible. Yep. You solve them, yeah. Yeah, it's more about processes. But what I feel like has probably happened in places that have just hired for those job titles is uh, they essentially just have an additional operations team that's like maybe cloud engineers plus, you know. So. <laughs> you said um, DevOps is not just Jenkins pipeline. Yeah. So with, if you think about like continuous integration and continuous delivery, can you do that without a, a pipeline? Like I'm just throwing these ideas out. Like how do you do DevOps without? We could do DevOps kind? with a bash script. Yeah. I think that's, uh, there's like a whole set of tools that are like even Kubernetes sort of falls under like a DevOps sort of what tools people would think is are related directly to DevOps. Yeah. Um, but really it's just, I think about uh, getting software out faster and helping the people who build the software get it out faster and make sure that it's observed. You don't necessarily need to install, you know, 500 tools by and buy heaps of licenses mm -hmm. in order to do that. You could actually just have a shell script that maybe runs on a Raspberry Pi. Yep. Most applications aren't going to be big enough to need more than that. Mm. I suppose whatever tools you need to use to help the team. Yeah. That's the most important thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's actually, what it should be is that the, the, the DevOps people would be working in a team yep. and actually helping teams deliver faster. I think. Oh, okay. Whereas it seems like it's more of a... Yeah, like I, I haven't said. heard of anyone, anyone with a DevOps person within their team. I don't. It might be happening. I'm just saying. No, I'm not necessarily like they're in the team and they're part of the sprint. I think that's probably viable. Yeah. Just in the same way that we we both were somewhere where there was a, a designer on the team, yeah. which doesn't seem like why would you need a designer in your software delivery team? Yeah. But in reality, it meant that you were able to iterate very quickly. Anytime there was an issue, you turn around, you say. Yeah. I can I have a new asset yep. and you get the new asset and it's done. Mm. The the turnaround time is, you know, minutes mm. instead of sending an email and then getting a response back because they're in a different team or needing to go through a whole pri prioritized backlog of someone else. So yeah, so that's interesting. So maybe that would be because the only I've only worked with one company that had a dedicated DevOps team and they had their own space within the organization and they'll they'll awesome guys you could always just go to them and ask for stuff to be done but they weren't integrated into any teams they kind of had their own sprints and they ran their own show and they had um, goals and milestones that they were trying to achieve as a whole for the organization um, and come to think of it sometimes there was conversations about sometimes the team like the developer teams would want things done in a certain way and maybe the DevOps team had a different view but um, that wasn't always communicated between the two teams. Someone was just making the decision, no, we're doing it like this and this is how you're going to... Yeah, that never feels good either. Yeah. It, especially in software, I feel like we're all... Every person in software that I've known has been capable of doing DevOps or operations. I don't think anyone's like going to struggle to learn Bash and understanding Linux and yep. Kubernetes. These are all, I would say, if you understand programming, I think you'd understand those tools yep. as well. Um, 
maybe networking's a bit tough, but, but that's about it. Yeah, I don't see any reason why, uh, may, maybe the integrating a DevOps person into the team would be more of something that would happen at the beginning of a project. The, the more ownership that one specific team has of one piece of work in a larger organization, the easier it is. Because otherwise what you end up with is communication. And communication is the thing that has killed any project that has gone wrong for me. It has gone wrong because some amount of communication or work that depends on other people. That's not traceable. So you say, I need this S3 bucket, I need this uh, pub sub topic, and then it takes weeks because they, they're on a different backlog. Mm. You're not really communicating frequently. You went to them, you said they want that, you're not gonna pester them too many times. You follow up, but yeah. they're just saying, oh, we'll, we'll get to it afterwards. Mm. But if you're in the same team, you all have the same objective. Yeah. If you're gonna have 10 DevOps engineers and you have 10 teams, Maybe they all work together in a way, but maybe those people should all be working for the best interests of those individual teams as well. Oh. Shouldn't be too hard. Every application can be deployed in its, in its own way. Yeah. There's no reason to force everything into one standard model, I don't think. Yeah, so but there's probably a lot of different team structures that work. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Team structure is a totally different topic. Probably one for our next podcast. <laughs> the next one? <laughs> I'm sure we'll get back to it. It's, a, it's an interesting one. There's nothing perfect about it. It just depends on the people, right? Definitely. Definitely depends on the people and, and their past experiences and how they like doing things. Yeah. And who doesn't like who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. People gel well together. Yeah. Yeah. The human element of... Uh, Software development. Disgusting. <laughs> My least favorite part of software. Other people. Users. <laughs> yeah. If it was all machines writing code, we wouldn't have any of these problems. No, but then what would I do? I, I, don't, I have no idea what I'd do. Yeah, what would if you machines do? wrote code. You'd have to move into the woods and grow a long beard. And That's true, actually. I'm already happy. become there. a mountain man, yeah. I feel like. <laughs> I would like to be a mountain man, actually. <laughs> I'd like to be a mountain man with them. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> I need my internet, but I don't want Chrome. Yeah. Well, it'll be the days where... Um, I just we, want to go could... back to RSS feeds, really. <laughs> well, you can do that when the computers start writing their own code. You can go back to all your RSS feeds. That'll be great. You can just do that up in the woods, yeah. off the grid. And then the computers start writing all the blog posts as well. Yeah, you won't have to do any of this hard work. Producing all the content for you. They'll be doing the podcast. They'll be doing the podcast. Yeah. I'll, I'll be, be listening to the podcast. As well, yeah, they'll be boosting it. It won't be in Spotify's terms of service in the future to, uh, to boost numbers with robots because there'll actually be people, right? So, um, I think that's an episode. That's a full episode right that's there. That's definitely an episode. Congratulations. I said that before and we, we went We went again, minutes. yeah. <laughs> we got our second win. Well, we, we were at, what, 30 minutes and we wanted to make it a full hour. Yeah. They've mostly been about an hour, so that's good. You know, drop us a comment in the box below. Oh, yeah, come to the, don't forget everyone, come to the Discord server. James going to set it up. Oh, that's right. Sorry, Frank said he would set that up, but I set up the podcast. Um, so everyone on the next round, Unruly Software. Yeah, get unruly with it. That's our tagline now. Have an unruly day. You come up with it. No, actually, I've been planning that for weeks. All right. Uh, but don't stop recording. Yeah, do three, two, one again. Three, three two, two, one. one. Okay.